So here we are in this uh, marvelous passage in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. And this is a sort of, well, it is a conclusion to everything that Paul has written so far. He says, what shall we say then to all this? What to all what? Well, everything he has described where God has called Abraham and uh, has accounted him as a righteous man, even though he's not righteous, uh, where God has um, sacrificed his son and uh, appeased his own judgment upon the world through his son, taken that judgment upon himself so that Christ is the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation, as it says in 3 verse 25, for all the sins of humanity and then how God through Christ has brought us all back into union with him where he says in chapter 5 that we are no longer under the judgment of his wrath but we have been reconciled through the sacrifice of his son we're no longer under the identity and judgment of sin because Christ took the burden of sin and the judgment for sin upon himself, that's chapter 6. We're no longer under the judgment of the law, for Christ has now become our righteousness, and we are no longer under the power of death, because Christ has become our resurrection. All of this is what Paul is talking about when he says, what then shall we say to all this? And as I pointed out yesterday, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And how interesting that uh, question is, because he doesn't say, if Christ is for us, because you would think that Paul would have said that, because he'd been talking all of what all about what Christ has done for us in, in dying for our sins, in rising again for uh, our resurrection, and in uh, reconciling us to the heart of the Father. But you see, what Paul was teaching was that Jesus was doing what God wanted him to do. Jesus was doing for us the will of God. It isn't that Jesus is this gentle, loving Savior and has to appeal to this harsh judge on our behalf. Please, Jesus, please, Father, accept uh, these uh, uh, sinners. No, it is God himself who comes to us in Jesus Christ and makes this plan of salvation. And this is why we can, uh, Paul asks, if God is for us, who can be against us? But as I promised yesterday, I would look up a text that I couldn't remember uh, the um, location of, and it's uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel verse, uh, chapter 36. And in Ezekiel 36, verse 9, it says this, For indeed I am for you. And I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. That is, he's talking about Israel. O Israel, I, the Lord, am for you. Now, this is really fascinating because, of course, Israel, I mean, uh, the, uh, the book of Ezekiel describes incredibly um, stunning judgments upon Israel. 
the sword, the famine, uh, wild beasts and all kinds of things that uh, destroy Israel. Um, God sends Babylon against Israel and the Babylonian captivity becomes an absolutely epic and historic moment for Israel, a tragedy that shocks them to their core. They never thought the uh, the uh, temple would be destroyed like that and God would that God would allow it, but he did indeed. And so they must surely think they were cut off. In fact, that's what they said in uh, uh, Ezekiel 37. Oh, we are cut off. We are without hope. All hope has gone. And here is God in all the midst of that judgment saying, I am for you. And this is why I think Paul uh, had in mind very vividly the history of Israel according to the book of Ezekiel. Paul had in mind the book of Ezekiel while writing the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans. He's not, you see, just pulling ideas out of thin air. He is uh, capturing or gathering up the, the, all the scriptural truths of God's grace, even in the midst of judgments, and bringing them right into his presence. And then, of course, he's seeing the evidence of this, the evidence that God is for us, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It must have been that Paul sat down in utter awe and utterly stunned many, many times when he pondered the meaning of Jesus Christ, because the meaning of Jesus Christ brings to this brings a dramatic conclusion to all that the prophets have said, that God, in fact, is for them, even though uh, such devastation came on their land. And so when we look at the book of Romans, chapter 8, what we need to keep in mind, and I'll show you more of this as we move on, is that Paul is gathering up the conclusions that the death of Jesus means for Israel's salvation. Israel is, uh, Paul is going to tell us in Romans 9 through 11 that all Israel will be saved. What? After all that they did? Even sacrificing little babies to pagan gods? And yet, God says in chapter 16 that he will make an atonement for Israel for everything and all they have done, the whole house of Israel, and they will never open their mouths again for shame. Now listen. As goes Israel, so goes the world. Israel is a type of all the things that God does for the world. It is obvious, isn't it, when we say that Jesus is the sacrifice for the sins of the world? Well, he was sent for the sins of Israel. But what is done for Israel is done for the world. Now, let's think of this in terms of our own personal relationship with God. In our lives, we are, that is, if we are Christians and believers, we are constantly aware of imperfection. We're aware of sin. We're aware of not measuring up to what God expects. We'd, he'd like us to be perfect, but we know we're not. 
And the result of that is a stinging accusation that regularly meets us in our minds that God is really against us. He's constantly rebuking us or judging us or punishing us. And the feeling is shame and a sense that we're not on God's side. But the truth of the gospel is that God loves sinners, not saints, sinners, and that God has come to this world to defend and protect sinners. The real person that is against us is Satan, not God. It is Satan who is the accuser. In fact, his name means accuser of the brethren. Satan is constantly attacking us before the presence of God. You remember Job. He attacked Job. God asked Satan, have you taken note of my servant Job, how he walks perfectly before me? And uh, Satan says, do you think he really cares about you? If you took away your protection, he would curse you to your face. That's the mentality of the devil in regard to human beings. He hates them, he despises their devotion to God, and he wants to accuse them before God so that God will judge them. But the fact is that Satan is the accuser there and God is defending Job. And that is the story of the whole of humanity. Even though humanity has greatly sinned against God, and God will bring humanity under judgment, nevertheless, God is ultimately for humanity. I am for you, he says in Ezekiel, as I said, verse, chapter 36, verse 9, even though he has judged them so harshly. And this is what makes Paul, in addition to his understanding of Jesus, say, if God is for us, who can be against us? So you and I have to develop a mentality. Well, it's not a mentality. It's a faith life that believes that God is for us. Even though everything collapses around us sometimes and will do ultimately before the end of time, and our finances crash or our relationships crash or our health crashes, we must believe and we are called to believe that God is for us. That's the defiance of faith. Let me tell you that again. Faith defies reality. Faith does not conform to reality. Faith is uh, counterintuitive. It says, no matter what I see, it is not the true reality because what I do not see, according to Second Corinthians, According to what I do not see is what reality is. Reality is God's love for me, God's defense of me. This is the persistence of faith. Now, you may have an addiction, a struggle with alcohol or drugs or sex issues and pornography or, or f uh, food issues, overweight and all the rest of it. And your mind in an addiction is going to curse you. It will say you're no good. You don't amount to anything. You can never measure up. And you, you talk to your father and say, Father, do you hear what my mind is accusing me of? Father, I thank you that you have taught me that my mind is part of my body which is counted as dead in Jesus Christ's death. 
and I am counted as living in Christ's righteousness, and I will not accept that you are against me. You are for me. Now, you see, when you have this kind of faith, you sound uh, quite confident in God's presence. You, uh, you sound bold, and you can't really believe that you would have the temerity to talk to God like this. But you do have the temerity to talk to God like that. It is not temerity. It is actually faith, for faith is bold. Have you read the book of Hebrews lately? The book of Hebrews talks about our boldness coming before God and and uh, insisting that he love us and that he is our savior and that he protect us and that he defends us. That is the nature of faith. It is not timid. It is strong. And it is timid, not timid and it is strong because God is the giver of that faith. God doesn't give weak stuff. He gives strong stuff. And this is why we can come before God. And so, you see, God is for you. And you can speak that when the chips are down and when everything goes wrong. And you can say, Father, I thank you that all these things that seem to be ranged against me are actually for me. Notice it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Is your God big enough, you see? If God is big enough for you, then he covers everything that seems to be against you. If God is for us, who can be against us? This means that everything that seems to be against me is actually in my favor. That's the truth of the gospel. And you have to ask God, please, Lord, give me the gift to believe it. Well, thanks for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. This broadcast can be heard on the radio if you're listening on your smartphone and didn't realize you can hear it on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. But if you're listening on the radio and don't know you can hear it on your smartphone any time of the day or night, then you can simply download a free app, soundcloud.com, podbean.com, and key in how it happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Please consider a donation. If you can afford one, please send it to FaithQuest PO Box 366, Littleton, Colorado 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much, then. See you next time. Cheerio, and God bless.